Hello and welcome back to the Rabisha Tennis Podcast. It's Rob and Alicia. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Um, Fun fact, I'm uh, named after Australian tennis player Alicia Mullet. Uh, there you go, it's true, as I named her. <laughs> <laughs> so, just the other day we went down to Melbourne. We did a seven hour drive to get there from Canberra. And we got to watch day three action, was it? It was day four action. Day four. For some of the tournaments and day one for the Grampians. Uh, We'd been watching on TV and there were no crowds and we thought we've got to get down there so we can get close to the players, get some photos. Social distance still. Socially distance, of course. And actually get front row seats and watch whoever you wanted to watch. It was a big contrast from the Australian Open in 2020 because no crowds. You just went to the old court and walked straight in, basically. Apart from Margaret Court, they followed the old protocols of waiting for a break between games before you could or change of ends before you could get in. But apart from that, you pretty much just walked into any court. Yeah, all the outside courts. Uh, and we saw practice courts with hardly anyone there watching. It wasn't the practice court, it was just an outside yeah, court used courts for used for practice. We couldn't go to the practice village because it's zoned. Zoned off. But some of the differences, other than lack of crowd, was you had to scan... Oh, yeah, a QR yes. code to get into a court, although that was more well, preparation for the Australian to, Open. Well, just to record the fact. They relied on you doing it. Uh, and it was so weird. Once we, because I remember when we walked in last year, it was just a sea of people, and you could feel the vibes, the energy, the energy from it. And this year we walked in, and it was just like uh, dead no one flat, here. and we were like, it doesn't actually feel like there's any tennis on until you're uh, into it. And even in Margaret Court, it was so empty that you could hear every sound uh, like you could players hear the players sighing <laughs> you could hear them t- we, we sat right next to in the section of the arena next to where one of the players coaches sits the other one's on the other side uh, and you could hear them talk communicating and you could he- just hear every sound because of how quiet it was there wasn't that like atmosphere of being in a big crowd it was just silence uh, it was like small time tennis but with the world's best players right there in front of you. The so. court was the quietest. The outside courts weren't as quiet because you were outside. So you yeah, could hear the birds and the trams. And <laughs> all sorts of noises, trains going past. But we got to see Naomi Osaka first up and Ash Barty on that court. Simona Halep a bit later. Was that it? That, that was, was it? all on uh, That was all on Margaret. Then we went out and caught various players but uh, it was a whole different experience and like when they were practicing at the 2020 Australian Open when we went at the village or anywhere any court people were practicing on was like a sea of people and you knew someone was practicing but this time you don't know until you're walking past because there's pretty much no one watching uh, so it was basically just us watching Muguruza train with her coach Conchita Conchina. and we went back again later on that same court and we saw Andrea Petkovic training with Belinda Bencic and their coaches were there. But yeah. There was like no one watching, it was just us. Uh, and after Muguruza there was Carino Buster and Bautista Agu, the French, oh not French, the Spanish, <laughs> the Spanish ATP Cup team. 
so they were training so that was good to see them up close and working away topless topless <laughs> it just so good it was topless we walked past again uh, but completely different to the previous time at the Australian Open. Oh, you know what I was disappointed in this time? Last time they had drink bubblers and stuff around called hydration stations and I love that name. Oh. I was very disappointed to find out this year they were now called water stations. Yep. Does not rhyme. I'm not impressed Australian Open or Tennis Australia, whoever made that call. But I did like that they called wherever they had sanitizer sanitation stations. Yeah. But you need to change it back <laughs> to hydration stations because uh, that was the best. I love so saying funny. I need to go to the hydration station. Because yeah. that's cool. That is what my friends call bubblers. So uh, it was cool. I was very disappointed to see it was now water station. Uh, so on that day we also got to see Angie Kerber playing yet again. Ooh. And she had a win against Sinia Kova, Katarina. Who had beaten her in their previous matchup at the Rome tournament on clay that was in 2020 so Angie got the win in straight sets wasn't no, it no three, three sets yeah uh, and there was basically down. about 10 people watching so it was more than that oh, it was 20. probably it was, it was actually more than I thought it would be oh. uh, it got busy. It wasn't a huge amount at the start, but it, by the end, it had built up a bit. Uh, but at the start, there was us and one other person, I think. Pretty much. <laughs> so we got to see them walk onto the court. Some officials. A uh, few officials, security guards in masks. So that was that. And then after Angie got her win, we saw Simona Halep and Daria Gavrilova playing against. She didn't get to really see them. I no, thought we they were the other people. Just saw a few. <laughs> I was watching their opponents going, oh, it's them. And then I went, that's not them. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I was watching. Halep and Gavrilova beat. I was tired by then. We'd been Magic Sands and. Uh, who was the other player? I don't remember. Don't recall, but <laughs> saw that and then. Went off to Q. Curios was match. playing, so and we. got there right before he had that dispute over the the time, time clock, with surf clock Kyrgios uh, was bouncing the ball and he held the ball against his racket and there was like one second where he actually begun his motion but he got a warning and then he, he said I'm not playing he, he thought he was uh, waited for the said he wanted the supervisor because he didn't want to be fined by the ATP he thought he was going to be fined so he sat there looked took about five ten minutes to get it all sorted out yeah. and the supervisor came and said no it's okay you won't get fined <laughs> and then he carried on and, and then we missed the end of got the win gavel over and help because uh, of the super tie break that was sad uh, so that was the end of our day and then yep. we spent then we 13 out. hours driving back to canberra <laughs> so long day at the tennis and traveling yeah. We also couldn't find our car. <laughs> we lost our in the car, car in the car park. We were walking around going, where on earth is our car? Uh, and then we almost got run off the road twice by trucks. <laughs> but we made it back. Yep. But now the big one, the Australian Opens, kicks Finally off here. tomorrow. Or it depends when you're listening. As we're filming it, it's kicking off in Recording, exactly the same thing. In exactly 12 hours and 7 minutes. Yep. 11am on Monday the 8th of February it will begin uh, and to get started we're going to go through the Australian players who are 
taking part in the singles. So we've got 13 men and nine women. So, one of them are wild cards. Yeah, there's <laughs> one, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven wild only cards in the men's. Five actually made it. Uh, and and qualified Bernard Tomic, who actually missed the Melbourne Summer Series, a mystery injury. So we've got Alex Deminar as the top ranked Australian. He's the 21st seed, ranked 23 in the world, taking on Tennis Sangren. And Last year, tennis did quite well. He always does best in Australia. Yeah, he he seems to like the Australian conditions. And he lost to Federer, didn't he, last year? Yeah, so I think he was, he was one that tripped over a girl's knee or some, or someone tripped into his knee in yeah. that Federer match. And then he also had like eight match points, I think. Yeah, he had so many match points. But then Federer went on to win. And Millman is the next player. He also almost beat Federer last year. He did. Yep, he did, but he couldn't quite get there. He was injured as well, and Federer had an injury oh, that right. came out of that match. But John Millman takes on France's Corentin Moutet, who's ranked 8 in the world, Millman number 38. Moutet did quite well in the summer series. He made the semis before going down in that. And he was given a wild card a couple of years ago as he was put forward by the French Tennis Federation as someone with potential and got a wild card. Then we move on to Nick Kyrgios. You never know what's going to happen with Nick, but it's not looking good for him. He's got a bit of an issue with his knee, so he could be out in the first round. You never know. But his big serve could help him come through against Frederico Ferreira Silva from Portugal. 184th player, ranked player in the world. He's a qualifier. Uh, he's a qualifier. Uh, and the interesting thing this year was... Yeah, qualifying was like a month ago almost, so there's uh, no fatigue issue there. And also, qualifiers quite often go into a big tournament like this with a bit of form on the board and yeah. occasionally get the big upsets. Yeah, they're but normally either fatigued or uh, with rhythm. Uh, but so this year it's different story. A whole different ball game because of the break and also qualifying was held overseas, the first for the Australian Open. Then mm -hmm. we've got Jordan Thompson against Casper Ruud from Norway. Jordan is the 52nd ranked player in the world and Casper Ruud is ranked 27th and the 24th seed. So he's quite a tough opponent for Thompson, but Thompson played quite well in the Melbourne Summer Series, so he could sneak through to the second round. Then we move on to James Duckworth, 105th ranked player in the world, but he has been ranked higher in 2020, but slipped back later in the year. He plays against Bosnia and Herzegovina's Damien Duz. Need to study up on his name. <laughs> I think you need to practice Doomsher, Doomsher, who was in the Davis Cup against Australia not too long ago. Then next we have a wild card, Alexei Popperin, who was in the top hundred, but he faded a bit recently. He's ranked 114. He takes on David Goffin from Belgium, who's world number 14 and the 13th seed. So, 
just based on rankings, you'd expect Goffin to win, but quite often he comes in a bit rusty to tournaments like this. And Popperin had a few good wins in the Melbourne Summer Series, so could be an upset there. And then next we've got Christopher O'Connell against Jan Leonard Struff. Struff, or Struffy as we call him. We <laughs> saw him play in Canberra a couple of years ago. He had long hair, bit of a character. He's smartened up a bit more recently. He's got the shorter haircut. He quite often gets a tough draw at the Australian Open, but this year he's got world number 120, Christopher O'Connell. And Struff's had a good ATP Cup preparation. Well, he's come through the ATP Cup, so good preparation for him. So probably would go for Struffy in that one. Hmm? Team Germany. Hope he was with in Team Germany. Semi-finals at the ATP Cup. Then we've got Mark Polmans, world number 125, against Martin Fukovics. Polmans last year made it to the second round. Fukovics, I think he had Federer, didn't he, early on, or one of the top players, so a tough draw. But going on rankings, Fukovics at 55, and seeing Polmans recently, I'd be going for Fukovics. Savage. <laughs> What's wrong with Polmans recently? Oh, well, he's... He lost first round to Harry Borchia, a match he should have won, but he didn't, so he's not quite up there. And he also lost in a UTR tournament, the Universal Tennis Rating Tournament. Ranking. Ranking? No, ratings. They're ratings. That's uh, kind of like a new thing on the scene lately. A lot of Australians were playing in UTR events over the break from the... Well, a lot of players chose not to travel, so they were playing... UTR events where it was round robin type tournaments and Polman's won in Melbourne but just recently he lost to a guy called Lee Tu who's actually got a wild card into the Australian Open now. He was the last guy awarded a wild card after Andy Murray couldn't make it. But getting back to Polman's, tipping Fukovics in that one. Alex Bolt um, number 174 in the world. He has a wild card as well against Norbert Gombos from Slovakia. After seeing Bolt this week, or last week, in the Melbourne Summer Series, it could be an upset there. He was in good form. He beat Tanasi Kokonakis. And who did he play second? Rinko, was that the second? Yeah, then he... No. Oh, no, someone he beat... Uh, forget who he beat, but he then pushed Warinka to three sets, so that was quite a good performance. And he's looking good for an upset first round. Alexander Vukic, he lost to Yannick Sinner just the other day in the Melbourne Summer Series. He's taking on Karen Kachanov from Russia, who's the world number 20, ranked uh, number 19 seed. So Vukic is 195 in the world, and you'd tip Kachanov in that one. And then Bernard Tomic, you just don't know what's going to happen with him. He has a knee injury, according to reports, and he takes on Yuichi Sugata from Japan, the world number 104. So Tomic, he could have a good day, you never know, and but most likely he'll probably lose in three. Then we come to Tanasi Kokonakis, who lost a tight match against Alex Bolt in the first set. He was looking really good, but then faded away and Bolt came on over the last two sets and won that match. 
Kokonakis uh, is ranked 266 in the world and he takes on Soon Wu Kwon from Korea, number 97. So, best of five sets. It's hard to know just who might win that one, but going on rankings, you'd go with Kwon, but Kokonakis could lift. And then finally, we get to Lee Tu. As I mentioned, he's a wild card and he's taking on Feliciano Lopez of Spain, the 63rd ranked player in the world and Lee too doesn't even have a, a ranking at the moment. He's an interesting story. He played juniors with Tanasi Kokonakis in Junior Fed Cup but then he decided to focus on his studies. Thought he would never be a professional tennis player so he stepped away from that but then he ended up coaching and then just in the last couple of months he got onto the UTR series and I think he won three three of those titles so a good run over the break earned himself a wild card and he's playing the Australian Open at the age of 24 I believe so that's the Australian men's so moving on to the women's draw there are nine Australians contesting for that Daphne Akhurst trophy uh, starting off with Ashley Barty, the world number one. She takes on Danka Kovinic of Montenegro, the world number 77. Obviously, being the number one, Ash Barty would be a strong favourite there. Next up is Ayla Tomjanovic, the world number 69, who takes on Masaki Doi of Japan, the world number 84. Don't really know who I'd pick. I want Tomjanovic to win because she's one of my favourites, but I don't know. What do you think? Tough to call Tomjanovic. Possibly she had a decent showing in her first round at the Summer Series despite losing. Now the rest are all wild cards. Um, next up, Sam Stosa. She takes on fellow Australian Destiny Aiva. Sam's ranked at 112 with Destiny at 218. Based on ranking, you'd favour Stosa, but she can be a bit unpredictable at times. And who knows, maybe Aiva could Aiva get the upset. had some pretty good form at the Summer Series, so I'd be going for Aiva. Next is Astra Sharma. She takes on another Japanese player, Nao Hibino. Hibino's got the higher ranking at 73 compared to Sharma's 129. So... I'd pick her, because <laughs> I don't know how either of them really play. Uh, Sharma played Kai Kanepi in the Summer Series, and she pushed her to three sets. Kanepi made the final of one of those tournaments, so Sharma is my pick for that one. Then we have Madison English. She takes on the defending champion, Sophia Kennan. Kennan was the heavy favourite there, being world number four, and of course defending champion. Lizette Cabrera, also not her favourite for her match, as she takes on world number two, Simona Halep. However, in Halep's last match, she played in the one of... Was she, which one was she? She was Gippsland. Was she Gippsland? Yeah. Gippsland, yeah, she was Gippsland. She was showing signs of potential injury. She had issues with her back, had to get a heat pack, and then pulled out of her doubles, so injury could become a problem for her but hopefully she's rested up yeah. and it won't bother her too much. Yeah. We also have Arena Rodionova, 
world number 169 who takes on madison brengel world number 83 brengel's my tip for that one mine too just because she's ranked higher and i've yeah. never watched them <laughs> then we have dia gavrilova she's currently ranked 452 but i feel like that doesn't really reflect her playing uh, she's coming back from injury and she's had some okay wins in the UTR and she played she won a match well. in Melbourne she won a already. match in Melbourne. Yes. So I'm going for Gavrilova in that one. She takes on, by the way, Sarah Sorribas Tormo of Spain. Probably butchered that name. 62nd <laughs> in the world. And finally, Kimberly Bill, world number 747, takes on qualifier Rebecca. Becca Marino of Canada, the world number 316. So Beryl had a good run at the Australian Open in 2019, wasn't it? Made it to the third round before losing to Angie Kerber. But she's been been away from tennis a bit lately, so making a comeback. And she's got a wild card, obviously. If she happens to find a bit of form, she could get a win, but it will be very close in that one. So that's all the Australians, so... Now for the overall tournament, that's in the singles. The overall tournament, of course, we've got Novak Dokovic, defending champion, going for his ninth title at the Australian Open. So that's he's my pick. I think he's unless you know he hits a linesman. (laughs) Yeah, but the interesting so that's not going to (laughs) happen. We've got Hawkeye doing the calling and. Mm. Being in Melbourne the other day, it's quite an interesting experience. Like, they've got different voices recorded. Yeah, they even and so it's not as robotic as yeah, previous ones we've heard. It sounds all. really real. So you, you hear the call and you go. Oh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't even realise watching uh-huh. on TV the first few matches. I didn't even realise they weren't there until the commentators mentioned it or something. Uh, so after the US Open, where there were heaps of mistakes. Hawkeye's That's not why probably they did the, it. Huh? That's not oh. why they did it. They Corona did it is also Corona. another reason. But Rona. probably a lot of mistakes kind of influenced it as well. So I think it's a good thing to have Hawkeye making the The funny the thing when it does it, though, is if you hit the net and it bounces back, it doesn't register that it was just the net and it was still no, called out. Call out. And also you miss out on that I miss moment challenges. where the challenges, challenges really come. Fun. And you get challenge. the clapping, the whole uh, crowd the is crowd like... The crowd gets in, clap, clap, clap. So we don't have that miss anymore. Miss that. That was, that was one of my favourite parts of tennis. And also some players still want the replay. You can actually request one, but in general if it's a close call, it automatically up. it will just come Except up on the, the screen. Except for the first serve, it won't come uh, up unless it's close. The first but serve, some, they don't. It, in Angie's match, Siniakova was not impressed by that. Uh, some players so still would question the question the call but yeah players are still adjusting they'll sometimes be like oh wait oh no i can't challenge that uh so they can't overrule it so that's it is what what it is to live with but a lot of linesmen are missing out on their job at the tennis but i think it's a good thing i miss challenges though yeah they were more challenges that's a bit of suspense but it's good to eliminate errors and hopefully hawkeye is 100 percent accurate sometimes i wonder Back to winners' predictions, things we've got yep. sidetracked there. Got On the men's field, I tip Novak Djokovic just because he loves it in Australia. He seems to do really well here. He's won eight yeah. before. And he's had a good preparation coming through the ATP Cup. Didn't win it this time, but they made the semi, so... Did they? Some... No, they didn't. Didn't they? they? Lost, didn't they lose? They lost to Germany. Oh, that's right. They lost to Germany and didn't make the semi. But anyway, <laughs> he had a few good matches under his belt. 
he lost a doubles match he won his singles so a good preparation where on the other hand Rafa, Rafa Nadal he actually had a back problem and didn't even play in the ATP Cup so yeah. it's a bit questionable I don't know how he'd go you know, we've got no form on the board for him so we don't know other potential champions Dominic Team. Dominic Team, but he was Zverev. a bit shaky in ATP Cup Zarev the Russians. Oh yeah, they could. They're good. Medvedev. Medvedev and Rublev. Rublev, both a good chance. Took their team to victory at the ATP Cup. Yep, so they're in good form. You've got Raonic, who if he fires could be a chance. Uh, I'm tipping Djokovic. Uh, Djokovic is obviously the most likely winner. Yep. Heavy favourite. Kyrgios coming into this because of the situation with COVID, he's had plenty of time to practice. So he was like being talked about as maybe not a favourite, but having a better, chance than, better chance than he might otherwise have. But as we've mentioned before, he's got a issue with his knee. I have heard that he had knee surgery in the off season and it didn't go to plan. Like he's experiencing pain when he comes down from the service motion. So would write Kyrgios off. Alex Dimonar has had some good results in tournaments in the past so he could be a dark horse playing in front of Australian crowds. They're actually set to have 30,000 people each day in the bit left first the 10. Huh? Eight, first eight days. First eight I days. Think. And then it's... Uh, from the quarterfinals they drop it down 25. to 25,000 but they're only going on Rod Laver. Mm -hmm night and day session so twelve and a half thousand which is eighty three percent capacity or something. Alex Bolt he's my pick for the best performing Australian but I don't see him going all the way. Denis Shapovalov That is not his name, that was the worst Shapo pronunciation of Shapovalov. Shapovalov. Not Pop one P Denis Shapovalov. I'm pretty sure it or uh, but it's definitely not what you say. Shapovalov. That is not... Shapovalov. Shapovalov. You call him Shapoppy or whatever. He takes on Yannick Sinner in the first round and Sinner just came through. World Melbourne Summer Series, he won the final, but he was looking pretty worn out. So he's got just a one-day turnaround and could probably go all the way. Who knows? Stephanus Titsipas is another dark horse or... Probably Not that dark, he's number five yeah, seed. <laughs> number five seed, but Medvedev, Tips Pass. <laughs> Not his name. What? Tips a Pass? It's like Titsy Pass. Titsy Pass. We need to brush up on our pronunciation. No. <laughs> We're Not great. Titsy Pass and Medvedev are probably most likely to challenge Dokovic's dominance at the Australian Open. Nadal, his form's questionable after having not seen him play at all since last year. So we just don't know how he'll go, but he could fire it up for maybe he's his second cool. title at the Australian Open. He's only got one. Yep, he's just got one a long yep. time ago. Um, so Nadal takes on Laszlo Dejer from... Moving on to our pick of the women's, I reckon Garbinia Magarutha has a good chance of winning... Especially after her, I mean, she didn't win the Yarra Valley Classic in the end, but she had a really good run 
in getting into the final. I only dropped like 10 games and she played decent players like Pavlachenkova, Von Drusova, Kennan had a yeah, rematch of the Shown Open final and thrashed them all with like 6-1, 6-2, 6 loves. I in think there. she lost 10 games across four matches yes. before losing to Barty today. So she's a good pick. Barty again could be another strong well is another strong contender being world number one just won the tournament shouldn't be as fatigued because she Serena Williams pulled out so Ash Barty got the walkover whereas Muguruza actually had to play all her matches to get to the final I obviously want Angie Kerb to win she Um, does do best when she's the dark horse and when the attention's not on her that's when she sneaks through and wins so who knows maybe Angie said after her hard lockdown because she was caught up with Bianca Andreescu's coach having tested positive on the flight over, which meant hard lockdown for those players instead of being let out for five hours a day. She said that takes the pressure right off her because all expectations have gone away for her, which is a situation that she does like. That's when she does, when she wasn't too big of the favourite that's uh, when like she won 2016 when she won her first title US Open was more expected I guess but then yeah. Wimbledon she was very quite a surprise dark horse in there so uh, she does do best when she's dark horse but the quarantine could affect her yeah. but she did have a good preparation she's one I want to win but we'll have to see Serena Williams always yeah, she'll be tough. It's a tough one. Supposedly has a shoulder injury. Yeah, don't know how that will be. That's probably recovered. Other well, players. Pushkiva's always won, but she never seems to quite get there to the big stage. Uh, at Grand Slams, aside from that one time in 2016, Halep would be a strong contender, but that injury we saw. Bit of an injury cloud. C- questions her ability to go all the way. Kennan. I been, don't think she'll do it again. She was a bit patchy. rusty, but unless she sorts it out, uh, I'm not sure if she'll go all the way, but who knows, wasn't expecting it last year. Osaka, the Osaka US Open go. champion, she plays She's well in Australia. She's won contender. It. Twice. She won it. No, once. Once, yeah, she's won US but Open twice and, and Australian Open once. won 2019 Australian Open, so she's quite favoured. Kvitova. Kvitova, she performs a bit patchy, so not sure how she'll go. Azarenka could be another contender, however, she did go through the two-week lockdown as well. So that, we don't know how that's going to affect players. It's a huge unknown, this Australian Open, there's just no form on the board, really, apart from... A few matches. A few matches. We don't know how players will come out of quarantine, some might... Be super motivated after that and have learnt from it. Um, and some may have lost form in training. Uh, Bianca Andreescu, a past US Open champion. Finally making her comeback. She's making a comeback. Like she actually withdrew from the warm-up tournament. So what does that tell you? I'm not sure. She, she said, said it she was just wanted more training, but Is that really what's going on? But yeah. She... Has no she hasn't played in over, over a, year, a year, so we don't know how she'll go. My, my pick would be on Muguruza. I'm tipping Barty to go all the way this year. No. She hasn't played for a year apart from the Summer Series, which she won, so 
her preparation was drastically different from a lot of the overseas players. Like she could train without COVID restrictions for the last couple of months, but she did have issues. Uh, she decided not to go overseas because of COVID and also not having access to her coach because he's, he, he's based in Melbourne and Melbourne got locked down pretty hard for how long? Seven months. Seven months, was it? I think so. So Craig Tizer wasn't able to get up to Queensland to coach Barty, so that was one of her reasons for not competing, as well as concerns about coronavirus. But the last couple of months they've been reunited and she's been training hard, and that showed with her win at the Melbourne Summer Series. So Ash Barty's my pick. Uh, I'm sticking with Muguruza. Oh, she's going she for Muguruza. Before today's final, I probably would have gone for Muguruza because she was thrashing people, but Barty stepped up in the final. Muguruza could just be like but, uh, saving maybe herself she saved she knows herself. what's happening coming up. Yeah. And she's had a much... She hasn't been on court for that long necessarily, but she's played more matches than Barty had to. Yeah. And Serena, as we've said, she's always there looking for her... 24th to equal equal Margaret Court in history yep in singles Swiatek French Open champion but on the hard court she looked pretty average so I don't think she'll be going too far I'm going with Novak Djokovic for men's and Garbinia Muguruza for women's I want Angie to win they do actually clash in the third round So. so if they both make it there I'm just going to go with whoever wins that match. But who knows, tennis is highly unpredictable, especially these days with qualifying was almost a month ago. People don't have form and haven't trained as much. People went through quarantine, hard quarantine, some of them. It's all very unpredictable at the moment, so we just have to watch. Could be a brand new champion that just comes out of the cloud, so you just don't know. So, as we've mentioned, this this Australian Open is very different to previous tournaments. I mean, it's a similar situation to the one the Grand Slams we've had lately, but it's the first Australian Open in in the pandemic since the pandemic started. It's obviously at a different time of year to normal. Being in February, normally it starts mid late January, so it's definitely been weird for us not having it because it's such a a thing in Australia, it's part of our summer experience for us watching at home every year. So being in February feels wrong, but uh, yeah. So that has an effect on the crowds, first of all, because of COVID restrictions, the numbers are down. But also, yeah, and also the kids back are back school. at school, so and it won't be the family atmosphere you get normally. And also, people are over with their summer holidays, so the crowds are limited to 30,000 anyway, so you'll see a different experience in the stadiums, but there will still be a decent atmosphere because 30,000 a day... Hopefully more than what was at the Melbourne Summer Series. Uh, Melbourne <laughs> that Summer Series. That was a series. bit sad. Almost had no one. Because it wasn't... people. I guess it's not as big, and, and it was more last minute that people aren't as keen to take time off work or school. They'd yeah. save it for the Australian Open. So there should still be a decent atmosphere, but it will uh, obviously be different. No packed full Rod Laver Arena. But by the final, it's around 12,500 will be let in, so that should be a great it atmosphere. Feel more normal. Yeah. Uh, but there um, we go. The Australian Open is just around the corner now. We're going to end this episode here, but don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. 
so that you can come back for updates on the day's play. We'll be doing daily episodes summarising what happened during the day and just talking about the tennis. Yep, something you look forward to each day <laughs> during the Grand Slam. Like other times we'll do them less often. but Weekly probably. Yep. But also don't forget to check out our website for articles and updates, rabishatennis.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at rabishatennis. And Facebook too. We have Facebook. We've got Facebook. <laughs> we yeah. do. Yeah. Since when? Get with the game. <laughs> I don't know. I don't use that one. I only use the Twitter and the Instagram. Uh, I've been updated. So don't forget to tune in to the next episodes where we'll be talking about all the action going down in Melbourne Park. On day one of the Australian Open 2021. We've got the top half of the men's draw and the very jam-packed bottom half of the women's draw. Lots of big names in there. So it should be an exciting day of tennis. Why is it more jam-packed than the men's? Um, Everyone just says it's so jam-packed because there's so many top players. (laughs) Men's might be jam-packed too. I don't know. (laughs) It's got the same number of matches. Yes, big names. It's all about the big names. Jam-packed with the big names. The bottom half of the women, you got Simona Halep, Angie Kerber, Muguruza. Is Cannon in that? And Drisku. Now that's all from the Rabisha Tennis Podcast. <laughs> that sounded like Grandpa.